current events, personal values, political and social issues, technology, wars, and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. The Signs of the Times, our weekly review of Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news for Friday, January 21st, 2022. Our live broadcast will become Podcast 199, and the Way Media app or the WayMedia.net will tell you all the ways to listen, share, or subscribe. And if you think we're making these stories up, which we truly do not have time to do, we post the actual articles with each podcast, but you can only get that from our website or our our app. And now, here to help us understand how the Word of God interprets the world's news is Pastor Mark, who is not a seer, sage, or a soothsayer. But if he had known that grandchildren were this much fun, he would have had them first. <laughs> oh, no kidding, man. We just yes. started out that way. You, you, no joke there. And listen, to you, the guy who holds the anvil of, of uh, radio wordsmithing, Yes, uh, just glad we got the show going. And, and, and yes, grandkids are the best. Yes. They yes. really are. They are. 16 years of uh, this radio station, and we switched to a new automation system, so uh, it's a new baby, and new babies come with new baby problems, so hopefully you're hearing us, we're on the air, we're online, and we'll be recorded later yep. in our podcast. That's an awesome way of saying, if we mess up, bear with us, because That's it's right. a brand new system, but That's we're right. on the air, and praise the Lord, we're rock and roll, and we're ready to go, man. And here we go. It's going to be a great show. <laughs> God okay, Pastor Mark, we've got three listener questions this week. Our first question comes from Neil, who uh, enjoys Signs of the Times right here in Knoxville. He says, which in your estimation are the top, and this is a two-parter, Pastor Mark, which in your estimation are the top five messianic prophecies fulfilled by Jesus in the New Testament? Yeah, that's a great question, and it is so in-depth, Neil, because there are so many. I mean, I can mention just right now, the Bible, there's over 300 prophecies that directly talk about Jesus Christ. So to name five, I mean, you're talking about, um, you know, uh, talks about the crucifixion, uh, crucifixion in Psalm 22. It talks about the father giving of the son and being substituted for God giving his son in uh, Genesis 22. Um, it talks about the Messiah being beaten to the point where he's beyond recognition, um, you know, in Isaiah 52 and 53. And so there are so many. What I would encourage you to do, that's just to throw a couple out there real quick. I would go, I think easier than us trying to even point them out here, is just Google prophecies about Jesus Christ um, in the Bible. And there's, again, just from the best estimates we have, over 330-some prophecies. There's probably more than that. But you could go and get a massive list, hundreds of them, if you want that as a resource to share with people. But literally all through the Bible, there are so many prophecies about uh, Jesus Christ and the coming Messiah, so many pictures. And so but you could spend a whole show on that, talking about that. So, uh, you know, not to be short on it, but I think yeah. I'd say the way to really do that personal study and really get a big list Google that online. You're going to find lots of information from biblical ministries out there that you can print up and have right there in your hands. Uh, I would also say, Neil, uh, check out Blue Letter Bible. Yeah. Uh, Blue Letter Bible under their resources section probably lists all of the prophecies of Jesus. So that would be another place uh, to go as well. Uh, his second, his follow-up question is, uh, do you know of any other historical documents written in Jesus's earthly time or shortly thereafter that confirms events 
in his life and ministry? Yeah, you know, probably there's so many. Again, um, the, of course, the Bible itself is the number one source, and I don't want to use that as a cop-out. I'm going to give you beyond that. But if you talk to anyone in the legal field, you'll find today that when you have you know just one or two or three witnesses to an event, it's a pretty ironclad case in a court of law. And the Bible tells us that at one time, over 500 people saw the resurrected Christ. I mean, at one time. And out of those 500 it mentions just there, not including the disciples and everyone else that saw him after he resurrected, there's not one... Re- re- a recorded incident in world history where any of those 500 or anybody else said, hey, you know what? I, I was lying. I made it up. It didn't happen. I just was trying to get attention or I was trying to promote some new religion. There's no way that many people, you wouldn't have somebody coming out and saying, okay, come on, guys. I got to tell the truth. I know we all 500 said we saw them. Okay, here's what really happened. No, that right there in a court of law, they say, would hold up tremendously just the Bible. But as far as extra biblical accounts, um, the Didache, and maybe some of you have heard of the Didache, and maybe, Neil, you've heard of the Didache. These are the writings of the of the apostles, the 11 apostles. And the reason I say 11 is, of course, uh, the betrayer Judas was dead. After Jesus died, there were some issues that came up, and, and um, it wasn't considered Scripture. It's not Bible, but the apostles did pen it. And in the Didache, they wrote down um, guidelines for the church as new issues came up about Jesus Christ. So outside the Bible, you do have the apostles writing about Jesus Christ as well. And, um, and of course, as you know, all 11 of them went to their death. Uh, they tried to kill John, but couldn't kill him. Uh, and none of them said, hey, we were making this up. It didn't happen. So that's a huge testimony just of human nature. I mean, you can't get people to die for it's hard to get people to die for a good man much less 11 and, and now millions over the years to die for someone who's a phony. So when you have the Didache, that's outside the Bible, extra references to Jesus Christ, multiple references, a whole book of it. Uh, look that up. It's a great resource. But also, Greg, uh, the early church writer Justin Martyr, who lived between 100 and 165 A.D., challenged his readers to look up records of the Romans about certain details concerning the life of Jesus. So this is the church interacting with Romans of the day, outside of the Bible. And according to the Adam Clark commentary, which again, you can reference, Neil, and look this up, Justin gave his first apology, that is the defense of Christians and Christianity, to the Romans and their senate uh, uh, around 150 A.D. And here Justin uh, is quoted as saying this, and I quote Justin Martyr to the Roman senate, okay? He said this, there was in a village in the land of the Jews, and this is again long after Jesus died. So this is extra biblical outside of the accounts. This is not one of the current uh, apostles, but it is early church. Uh, And I quote, now, there is a village in the land of the Jews, 35 stadia from Jerusalem, which Jesus was born, as you can ascertain also from the registers of the taxing made under Cyrenius, your first Roman uh, procurator in Judea. So what he's saying is, I'm giving you a witness of Jesus Christ. And by the way, you guys in the, in the Roman Senate, you can go to your tax records and look up under Cyrenius and see Jesus and his family existed and what they paid in taxes. Now, he wasn't doing it to try to prove Jesus. They knew Jesus existed in that day. They were close enough to it where he was commonly known to have existed, right? Right. But this is, shows that in just normal business legislative events like standing before congress you have justin martyr here talking to about serenius with the tax records that rome had at the day that talked about jesus and his family if that was false they could have easily said there was no jesus we have no records and they nobody said a word yet we have his records we see jesus so we see in the roman records evidence of jesus christ and his family written by uh, justin martyr uh as they stood before uh, the roman senate there uh about around 150 a.d and so yeah. pretty awesome that is good yeah and neil i'll give you a modern day reference for you to look up that's basically i think has probably done all the heavy lifting for you it's an author by the name of lee strobel uh lee was an unbelieving uh journalist yes and he set out to prove that jesus existed or not outside of the bible yeah that's great. so he did not use the bible as a reference he used things like what pastor mark is talking about right. and a whole bunch and he he was an invest it still is i guess uh an investigative journalist that was his background and so that's what he did and he and, and he ended up giving his life to jesus as a result of his investigation yeah. and so he wrote a book called the case for Christ. Yeah, and there's a great movie out about his life. Oh, is, about his life. Have okay. you seen it? No, I have not. It is very okay. good. Very good. And um, his whole journey of trying to prove it wrong. It's yeah. a great movie. It's, it's well done. Okay. I'll have well to, done movie. Yeah. I think maybe it's called The Case for Christ. It could be. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, I'll have to look that yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hopefully all of that helps you, uh, uh, Neil. Our second question, Pastor Mark, comes from Sharon. 
who enjoy signs of the times down in the villages in Florida. And uh, her question is about how the rapture will be explained. She says, what is your feeling on how the world will explain thousands of people missing all of the sudden? Is it possible that the world, specifically the U.S., could be experiencing the results of an electrical magnetic pulse or some other event that would shut down our electrical grid and make communication impossible? Yeah, this is really a multifaceted question. Yes, And we're going to take some time talking about it. And um, I know you've got some input as well, Greg. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, first of all, let me just say as far as the electromagnetic pulse, just so people know what that is, it is basically a warhead that doesn't do what a typical warhead does. It doesn't land on the ground and explode and then cause all this major damage on the, on the ground. Matter of fact, it doesn't explode on the ground at all in the sense of damaging things. It is a warhead that goes up over a nation or a region and explodes high in the altitude. And it releases um, what it releases basically shuts down all your ability for uh, electri- electricity. Um, and so your grids are shut down where there's no electrical power. It actually changes, I think, the molecules. It does an actual change in the atmosphere at this explosion. And there are some that have said, you know, it could take as long as 40 years to get electricity back in a region where an electromagnetic pulse went off. So the result of that is you would have no Internet. You would have no electricity. You would have, your electric car is not going to work for 40 years. So hopefully you've got one that drives on gas. And, um, and, and so you've got a way to pump the gas out of the ground. Yes, exactly. You know, uh, either way, the point is you yeah. couldn't, even if you get, could get yeah. gas, your car's not going anywhere. Right. If it's electric. Yeah. This, it won't work. Yeah. Uh, so my point anyway, with that said, that's what that is. Yeah. Is that a possibility? Most certainly there are probably numerous, uh, possibilities of what could happen and people couldn't communicate, but I, I don't really know that that would be more. Uh, I wouldn't see that one as feasible only because word of mouth communication would still be very active. And if your people were dead yeah. everywhere or missing, word of mouth would spread that. Well, before we even get into the rapture part, Sharon, I highly doubt that this will happen only from the standpoint of the rest of the end times prophecy and how the Antichrist is going to be controlling the yeah. world. Yeah. If, if an electromagnetic uh, uh, bomb goes off, yeah. he loses the ability to control the way the Bible is telling us he's going to control the world. You know, Greg, that's a great point. Yeah. I've never thought of that before. That's yeah. a great point. I mean, there, there could be a region that he couldn't use electrocommunication. The Bible didn't tell us, but from the indications we get... With, this with, is He's global. Yeah, the way his system is going to work, I don't think an electromagnetic pulse fits into prophecy, because otherwise you couldn't control everyone through the digital and electronic system that's going to be put in place. Yeah. So that's a great point I yeah. really never thought of. Yeah. Uh, but yes, so that right there, there could be any number of things that could shut things down yeah. as far as that goes. But now getting back to what do we do about thousands there, of people missing? How, yeah, how do you explain the rapture? Well, okay. hopefully more than thousands. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, hopefully, and I do believe it would be more like millions. Okay. Uh, you know, we have billions of people on the earth. Yes. I think there's most definitely millions yes. of believers, even if you took 25%, which, you know, the, the, the parable gave us, yeah. she, Jesus gave of the seeds planted. You know, there's some say the 25% and that represents yeah. the true believers. So even if you took that model, sure, 25% of 7 billion, let's say it's 8 billion by then, that's a couple of billion people going up. So we, 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 who knows? Who knows? But either way, um, the, the, here's the main answer, and then we'll talk about this for a while. The yeah. main answer is we really don't know. And there are some that believe bodies will be laying all over the ground everywhere, and there's some that believe all of a sudden everybody's going di- to just disappear. So, you know, what if, if bodies are laying on the ground everywhere, then, you know, some have thought, well, maybe there's some type of warfare, but it would have to be worldwide at the same time. So that doesn't seem logical because you'd have bodies all over the world laying around. And, and, and people would go, you know, what happened if people just disappear? Um, you know, in that, that in my mind, I know it, it, it seems like a more logical scenario, but we don't know. You know, it, it could be with something like a virus or a sickness. All of a sudden, a bunch of people start dropping dead and God takes us at the same time. There's a bunch of dead bodies everywhere. There's all kinds of, even though that would be a little bit harder to, uh, to bring together because somebody would have to die all at once. But I will say this. Here's what we know about the rapture. What we do know when we look at Scripture of others that were taken, uh, we start with Enoch. And you look in the Old Testament, it says Enoch walked with God and he was not. And the language indicates that God literally just took him. It basically was the first rapture or picture of a rapture that we have in Scripture. The Bible doesn't tell us whether there was a body left behind or whether they just couldn't find him. Uh, We don't know. But But there's no indication that they, either way, on that particular one that we know. Well, we scoot forward to um, Elijah, and we know that Elijah went up in a chariot of fire, and they went looking three days for his body, if you remember, and they never found a body anywhere. And so their thought was, you know, God would have taken his spirit, 
We know that flesh and blood can't inherit anything that's spiritual. Right. So the his body couldn't have gone beyond. You know, once he went up in the clouds, his spirit would have been taken, and now his body. God could have reversed the atoms and yeah, well, made basically made the body disintegrate as yeah, we know we it. We know Who this. Knows? We know the body didn't go yeah. with him. Yeah. Because uh, the body can't go into the spiritual, spiritual realm. realm yeah. So what happened to it? There's a couple of explanations. One, like Greg just said, maybe it just kind of evaporated, or maybe God... My, my theory on him, this doesn't really affect the rapture, my theory on him is that God took his body and buried it, and he's going to be one of the two witnesses to be resurrected in the last days. Because, mm. again, Moses, God took Moses' body, yeah, Moses and God and buried it and protected yes, it. Yes. And and interesting, a lot of people don't realize this. When you look at the geography of where Moses was buried, because it tells us they're near Pisgah, or uh, the Mount, Mount Pisgah there, that's exactly where God took Elijah up. And so it would appear both of them they disappeared. They could be buried together. Well, or near each other. Maybe, or near each other. I get yeah. this whole picture of either, maybe they're together, this one tomb opens up, and it's been guarded by angels. They both come out when it's time for them to, to re-inhabit yeah. their bodies. They're neighbors. And God's supernaturally holding their bodies yeah. together. Or another, uh, one tomb opens, another tomb opens. You yeah. know, whatever, either way. So I've always thought, you know, maybe, because the Bible says that God, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a curse in the Jewish culture to not be buried. And God would not have allowed, if that's something God put in there, God honors the body even as he honors the spirit. So for God just to kind of ignore Elijah's body doesn't go up with the character of God. So I believe either he did just disintegrate, like you said, in honor, or he literally took that body, which I tend to believe, buried it right there near Moses, where, where he went up, right where Moses was buried. Mm-hmm. And I believe Moses and Elijah will be the two witnesses, and they're going to come out of that tomb. It's a really cool scene I've got in my mind. It may be wrong, but I believe that their spirit's going to re-enter their bodies. You're going to see this tomb open up, and these two men will walk out still wearing the clothes, Greg, they wore that day. Moses will still have on the clothes he wore when he was in the wilderness thousands of years ago. Elijah will still be wearing his mantle and the hairy body that he had and the big beard. That and would be wild. And they're going to start walking toward Jerusalem yeah. and walk in. And I believe when they get to the yeah. Jordan, Elijah will strike it. It will split. They'll walk across, they'll walk up to Jerusalem, get right in the middle of it, and start prophesying for three and a half years. That's what I think is going to happen, and I think it's awesome. I could be wrong on that. That's my theory. Either way, but that still doesn't explain the bodies and disappearing. But then we go to, again, um, you know, the you know, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says that the Lord will, again, the trumpet blast, the sound of Michael, the, I mean, the sound of the archangel, and the trumpet will blast, and then boom, we go to be with the Lord and forever be with him. And it says that the dead in Christ will rise... And then we get our, it would appear we get our new bodies at that moment. So then it brings another question up. Do our, you know, we know that, that, that flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom. So some believe God will not use our old dust to make our new bodies because then that would defy flesh and blood not being able to go into the kingdom, but God could change it however he wanted. Or what does it mean that dead and cross arise? And, you know, bottom line is I think we get our new bodies at that time. What happens to our old body? Does it disintegrate? Will it be laying on the ground? As I get back to saying, we simply don't know. Um, It's going to be one of those mysteries that we don't fully have the answers to. But there's some of the biblical references I can give you on your journey. Um, And again, any good things you find on your journey, be sure and let us know. We'll pass it on. And and Greg, you have some. We talk about the rapture. That was was pretty much it. I mean, you covered my... You were going to bring up the the possible UFO stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's true. Um, Once you mention it, and then I'll have a comment. I mean, unless you don't want to talk about it, I have a comment about it as well. No, I... for me, I, I personally think that there would be a mass disappearance uh, of of the people and the bodies. Now, what I God, do how God, what God does with the bodies, you know, you understand God created us so He can disintegrate us. I mean, yeah. it's pretty much that easy for Him, uh, not necessarily for us. But to me, there would be a disappearance in such a way that you know it would be undeniable because the rapture is something that's spoken about, it's told about, it's prophesied about, and it's a witness to the world that what God said is true. It's another opportunity for people to wake up and see, unfortunately, if they miss the rapture, yeah. you know, but it's, but God is still, even during the great tribulation period, he's still going to be reaching out, the Bible says, through various ways, and pointing to Jesus and giving people an opportunity that they can give their lives to them. So I think that one of the ways that people would explain away a mass disappearance would be through UFOs or aliens. Was this interesting with all the new UFO alien talk? So why don't you talk about that? Gov- well, yes. again, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, right? that's, was no sure. that was pretty much it. Okay, I mean, well, that was that, let, that's where I think, I think the rapture will be a bodily 
disappearance okay. and will be helped to be explained away through UFOs just because UFOs in our culture globally, yes. not just the U.S., globally is a big thing. On your first point, yes. I agree completely. On your second one, I think you may be onto something, but I, I still leave other options open. But yeah. on the first one, I'll say this. Um, I, I do believe that there is going to be a, a, a bodily, I think the body of evidence, no pun intended, <laughs> shows us that we're going to be out of here and the bodies are going to be gone. There's a number of reasons I think that, because again, you think about people on planes, people in cars, suddenly you're, you're in a plane and, and, and there's dead bodies beside you. That would have such worldwide attention that it would be hard for the world to ignore that God just took the church and God took people. And I don't think that's, that, that that's going to happen that way because that would fight against the worldwide deception to follow the Antichrist. It would almost glorify God, promote God in a way that you'd go, that just proved the Antichrist wrong. Who's this world leader? God promised he would do this. So I don't think there's going to be bodies left behind. I agree with you. I think the bodies will be gone. And and I don't know that our clothes will be folded. I don't really go that far. Those of you that watch those those those, those left movies, behind movies, yeah, yes. I don't think our, folded, our clothes will be folded. Uh, but either way, I, either but way, even, uh, they probably get it because Jesus. Yes. Is now, yeah. however, however, I do think I can't say emphatically. That's why I say I'm not as a hundred percent on this. I don't know that you're a hundred percent on it, but I do agree, Greg. This is very possible. I'm not disagreeing with you. The whole alien UFO thing could explain it away, uh, Sharon, because here's why. Here's the thing. You know, in the past, it's been like aliens, aliens and Bigfoot were all lumped together. And if you said aliens, you, you had Bigfoot and everybody's wearing 10 hats, right? Everybody made fun of people like that. Well, things have changed these last two years where suddenly the U.S. government and other governments have come out and said, okay, there really are things that are out of this world. Again, no pun intended. Um, that we can't explain, and now we have video evidence, and we'll show it to the world. And there have been some very dramatic, the most dramatic one was these pilots that were chasing this thing that just took off. And and so there now is serious talk about, hey, I think there really are aliens. We have evidence. There are people from other planets. And I think now it's not so much with the new generation. People don't mock it like they did in my generation. My generation, they mocked it. This new generation, Sharon, they take it seriously. And I think it, it's it's a demonic deception. I do not believe aliens exist, and that I know even maybe some Christians who want to go to Comic Con or whatever are going to be mad with me because they can't put their outfit on and prove they can go to some other planet. Um, but I'm not making I'm not making fun yeah. of you. I'm making my point. I believe it's biblically impossible for there to be people from anybody from another planet. Here's why: um, because it says God Jesus died once for all for the sins of the world singular. And that means that, and the Bible also says that all have sinned and fall short, in creation, have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that means that aliens would be guilty of sin as well, but Jesus only died for planet Earth, which means all the aliens have nothing to cover their sin. And with God saying he loves all and his desires that none perish, he would only be allowing those on the Earth who believe in Jesus to get into heaven, and all the aliens would be, by proxy, eternally condemned. So based on Scripture of those analyses if you will i am convinced aliens don't exist there's no other life forms on any other planet based on those scriptures now with that said and for those who disagree i just encourage you to look at those scriptures and let that marinate i'm not going to divide over it but i believe that's what the scripture teaches however then here comes the next question then what are these things greg this week alone another pilot uh, released a picture of of this ufo again unidentified flying object that came up beside his plane you can go see it on video and it was there, and then it just kind of disappeared, and then came back, and then disappeared, and was kind of changing forms or whatever. And it's there's no natural, it's just from the cockpit, there is no natural explanation. Um, we now know this week an article came out that we're seeing uh, these light apparently appearing and radio signals being sent from somewhere deep in the Milky Way that have made it now to the Earth, sending apparently some type of signal, and then they just vanish. Um these are phenomena that can't be explained really in the natural realm. There's something going on. I believe it's demonic. Now it gets back to your theory and that I am, 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 I think it's more than your theory. I think others have the same theory and I believe there's some merit to it. I believe that Satan is deceiving the world by actually manifesting real fallen angels manifesting in the form of these UFOs, lights. You'll notice the lights have all these colors. We talk about the angels have all these colors. If you see the one that the pilots, uh, where this thing turns, it looks like a wheel within a wheel. What describes the cherubim as being a wheel within a wheel. And um, so certainly if we have this technology, angels can manipulate radio waves and frequency. I mean, they'd be yeah. up there laughing. It'd be like flashing a little light and freaking all the people on the planet out. Yeah. Like a villager, you know, you show them their first flashlight. Yeah. So I believe that de- that God is allowing the demonic realm to do this in the last days for further deception. And it may be either to promote the 
the Antichrist and or Greg, what you brought up as your second point, it might be a way, Sharon, to describe suddenly millions of people around the planet disappearing. It might be they'll say, well, the aliens came and they took away people for experimentation or to another planet, whatever they did. Could even say they destroyed those who weren't going along with mm-hmm. uh, Mother Nature, you know, I mean, yeah. um, or the planet, because these oh, yeah. aliens, they say aliens put us here in the first place. So now they're mad that we're not going along with their thing and they made us you rip us out of here and judge us or whatever. So all these are possibilities, and I think we have to really, again, we won't know until it fully develops, but don't just, you know, don't just throw the whole unidentified flying object thing out the window. Realize there may be and probably is a demonic supernatural thing going on that absolutely is real. It's just not little green men from other planets. Exactly. All right, uh, Pastor Mark, for the time we've got left, and we I don't know if we'll flow into the uh, next here. Oh, we will. Uh, We're okay. going to have to. Uh, th- this our, our last question is from Crystal, who enjoys Signs of the Times here in Seymour, Tennessee. And she said, I believed as a child growing up in the 80s that Jesus would certainly return in my lifetime. But as I grew up, that certainty began to wane. As Pastor Mark said last week, it's exciting to see the signs of the last days all around us. And I agree with him that Jesus' return could be quite near. However, I'm now a mom. And it's difficult to help teenagers think about their future plans in life path when they also hear the sermons and podcasts about these signs of the times. I wonder if other children and teenagers who overhear this podcast might also have fears and misgivings about what they will face in their future if they even have much of a future left on this earth as we know it. While it's an exciting time in many ways, I understand it can also be frightening or discouraging to kids and teens. Mm-hmm. I've been focused on making sure my kids know what they believe and why, so they can navigate whatever comes with their faith intact. But I have also realized through discussion with my teenagers this week that this knowledge can leave them wondering what's the point when it comes to education, career planning, setting goals, etc., or even feeling sad that they might never grow up, get married, have kids, and reach those goals. I've encouraged them that we don't have, we don't know the hour or day, and it could actually be a hundred more years or more away. I've told them there's no reason to be afraid and that God will give them the strength to face anything because they were born at exactly the right time and put on earth for such a time as this. I have reminded them that heaven and being in God's presence will be so much better than anything here on earth that we won't miss anything we did or didn't have in this life. But I sometimes feel my words fall a little bit flat at their age. So I'd love to hear what Pastor Mark has to say or what he has said to his own children or how we would speak to children and teenagers directly. What a great question. And and I wouldn't even begin to try to embark on this until we get into the second half. But I will say this. What a great question. Uh, Obviously, you gave some great answers. A great mom. I mean, you really just handled handled it really well. And and we're going to go in more detail. I've got multiple points I want to make and to give your kids encouragement and others. Let me say this. I understand that for a, a child hearing some of the things we're talking about, it's almost like when you're about to go into battle. And you're telling your military, okay, this is going to be a rough battle. We may lose some men. There may be some injuries. You know, that's for those that can handle it. That's for those at that maturity level that can handle that. And you wouldn't go say, okay, now gather all the kids of the Army guys in. We want the kids to hear this, too. Now, some of you kids, maybe, you know, you may get hurt in this battle and shot and you lose an arm, lose a leg. We'd never do that. So first of all, I would say there is an age appropriateness of how much detail you want to give to a child. You don't want to give a little child too much detail and scare them. And that is why, again, even in our church services on Sunday morning, you know, we only take kids that are 11 years old and up, you know, into the service because we talk about some more mature issues, heavier issues. And in the kids' church, we don't address these types of things. But as we'll look at this when we get into the second half, I I will point this out. I do think there is an age where probably moms and dads, you don't want to go into detail about what the Antichrist is going to do with the plagues that are coming, all the things. They don't need to know that. Let them be a child. But as they get older, they do need to understand what's coming and for it to be done in a biblical way, which we will look at the details of that biblical way uh, when we get into the second half. Because I want to have plenty of time, Greg, to really address this question, to talk about it and look at these points that I want to really get on this and and have a discussion. Okay, great. Well, we are going to finish answering Crystal's uh, question. And hear Pastor Mark's response. Plus, we've got a lot of great articles to get oh, to, yes, guys. Yes. So we always do encourage you to go to thewaymedia.net where this podcast will be posted later today. And look up these articles that we're some we're going to touch on in more detail, some not so much. So you can read everything there is to be read. And we will be back right after this.
WIAMLP 101.1 FM, Knoxville. God's word is clear that we're to meet legitimate financial needs of others in the body of Christ. But why? Hi, I'm Henry de Jong standing in for Chuck Bentley, and this is My Money Life from Crown. Today, Crown's founder, the late Larry Burkett, reminds us that God has the big picture in mind. Paul said, share with us in need in your time of plenty, that in your time of need they may share from their plenty. For the scripture says, he who gathers too much should not have an abundance, that he who gathers too little should never have a lack. Now, Paul wasn't talking about socialism, by the way. You know, Paul was talking about oneness. Except that the abundance you have for this day is sufficient to meet somebody else's need. For if you ever have a need, their abundance shall be sufficient to meet your need. That you might be one in the same spirit that you care about each other. And the way you manifest that is by caring. Paul is an exhorter of the word, by the way, in case you didn't know that. Paul writes with parables and he writes with a, a really soft pen. James and John are teachers of the word. They don't care whether you like it or not what they say. James begins his letter, you dummies, what are you doing? That's a liberal paraphrase, but it says exactly that in the beginning. You dummies, what are you doing? Paul begins writing to the Galatians about the same kind of problems that James was writing about, and he begins by saying, greetings in the name of the Lord and your loving brother Paul, you dummies, what are you doing? <laughs> Just a lot softer pen. And John says, my friend, if you can pass by your brother in need, having some of the world's goods in your pocket, and not help your brother, how can you say the love of God abides through me? If you have been blessed with My Money Life, we invite you to discover the Crown Stewardship Podcasts. They focus on helping you find freedom in your finances and career. You can subscribe on Spotify and iTunes or just listen at crown.org. A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor. Backsliding serious stuff, guys. Whether it's a small little area that's going to lead to more, whether it's wholesale, you're not even here, you're listening in from afar, or somebody handed these studies to you, it's time to come home, especially in these last days. As the days grow darker, the brightness of the church will only continue to increase through those that are pressing forward in their relationship with Him. For more biblical encouragement to help you grow deeper in your love relationship with Jesus, visit edtaylor.org. Again, that's edtaylor.org. A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor is a presentation of Calvary Aurora. Signs of the Times now continues. Here again is your host... Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news. These are the signs of the times for Friday, January 21st, 2022, episode 199 for you podcasters. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our program any way you're consuming it. Uh, in our last half hour, we started reading a very long um, question from Crystal, but it needed to be read because she made a lot of salient points. Yeah. With regarding to talking to your kids about the future in light of the signs of the times. And go back and listen to the first half if you missed the question or just tuning in. Uh, but Pastor Mark, how do we talk to our kids about the future in light of all of the end times prophecies that the Bible talks about? Exactly. And let me just repeat again, I think there is an age limit. If certain kids too young, you don't want to get into some of these things. They're not mature enough and ready to handle it. But I do believe once children start getting around 12, you know, 11, 12 years old and up, you know, the Lord included this in the Bible. And um, I think they're mature enough to handle it with a proper understanding and they should know about it. As a matter of fact, in the Jewish community, they, you know, by 13, they consider somebody a man. By 12, I think the women are considered a woman. So, um, you know, it's, it's not too young to start around those ages. But again, I want to say a couple of things about this. First of all, initial fear is understandable. Um, until you understand that God's in control. And I think that applies to a child and an adult. You hear these things, and oh my goodness, you know, um, the earth on fire, asteroids flying in, the Antichrist ruling, people taking them on. That's scary stuff if you don't know God's in control. You have to realize God is running the show, and he loves us. And so we have to know we are his bride. He died for us. He has a plan. He'll never give us more than we can handle. And so we have to have the first understanding is the very fact that we know these things are going to happen should bring some level of peace over time as we mature because 
it shows God told us, which means God knows about it, which means God's in control. You know, if, if you're, something happens that scares your parents at the same time it scares you when you're a kid, everybody's scared together. But if your parents know the drop is coming, you're on the roller coaster, and they say, oh, honey, there's going to be a drop here. I want you to get ready, but you're going to be fine because we're all strapped in. Yeah, it's still rather exhilarating and maybe a hair scary, but you realize I'm going to survive. I'm going to be okay on this. And so Jesus told his disciples and the churches in Revelation what was going to happen beforehand for this purpose. Um, understand, Crystal, and that is so they wouldn't be afraid. And that is the long-term effect. I think the initial hearing of these things can be, oh, my goodness. But as you medit- as you marinate about them, as you explain more of the things we're going to talk about here in just a moment, the long-term effect is, you know what? Yeah, these things are going to happen. But now I understand why and how, and I know God's in control so I can rest. He, he promised he wouldn't give me more than I can handle, and he's in control. So you, there's going to be fear, but the long-term effect, there can be fear, I should say, but the long-term effect should be a peace that comes from knowing that. Because can you imagine, if nobody has any clue these things are going to happen, and all these things begin to happen, that can be very scary. For example, the very fact that the Lord told us there would be pestilence in the last days gave me peace when COVID came along. When it came along, I said, you know what? The Lord said, this is going to happen. I know because of prophecy, the earth is not going to be wiped out. I know that God, that no, that my life's going to be fine until God says so, which means my life's in his hands. So yeah, maybe scary people are dying, things are happening, but I know that he's got my life on a time clock and he's in control of me. And he, pro- he said these things would happen. And, and I found rest and peace in that. So the first thing is just knowing that God is letting us know it so that we understand he's in control and he's running the show. So we need to let our children know, hey, God's in control. He's the one running the show. You don't need to be afraid because he would never give us more than we can handle. And he's told us what's going to happen. He cares about us. He loves us. He cares and loves about us more than even mom and dad do uh, about you guys. If you're talking to your kids. Secondly, youth by its very nature uh, has two disadvantages when it comes to prophecy and living in the last days, which I think we're in. And that's just a fact. Number one, immaturity, which means there's a less ability to understand uh, the eternal view of life. You know, when you're a kid, you don't, you're not thinking eternally. You're, I mean, you think you're eternal already. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're never going to die. That's why, the, you know, especially little boys, we do so many stupid things on our bicycle and skateboards and whatever else that you could, you could die any moment or really get hurt, but it's like, we don't care. Um, yeah. and there's a lot of other physiological reasons for little boys that happens. But I think immaturity is, is a real detriment, uh, to having the eternal view of life. So I think when we, when we talk to our kids about eternal things, we have to say, look, Yes, this is happening right now. Yes, you do have a lot of life going on, but this is just the beginning of forever and maybe even emphasizing the eternal aspect of things when it comes to looking at God in a, in a much greater view because a natural desire for life on the earth um, and all that it has to offer is very attractive to someone young because you look around and you, know, and, and you see all these things and the Bible says that God has given us all things richly to enjoy. So there's a natural enjoyment going, wow, I have the, a future wife. I have a future you know, car. I've got a future this, a future that. I get to go to Disney World. I get to go whatever. And all that's, it's very normal and exciting. So when you start talking about the world going up in flames, well, that kind of gets in the way of all that. You know, <laughs> how can I go to Disney World if everybody's on fire? I mean, I get that. I'm not making a lot of it, but I'm yeah. saying I get the point. And when the mindset of fear comes in, um, but again, and it, you know, you're, we are to have these things richly that God has given us. But once again, I think we need to focus on the eternal. You know, when it appears that the, that the time for their experiences may not be uh, available for that generation, that's going to cause a natural mental disruption and maybe even some anxiety. But here's the answer uh, for young people, and it's the same for young people, Greg, as it is for the old, and that is this. First, again, we have to realize that all that life offers down here is only temporary at best. It doesn't mean we don't get excited about it. God has given us all things risky to enjoy. But what we need to tell our kids and help them understand is, look, no matter how much fun you have and how much excitement of things you look forward to, and, and maybe God will let you experience all of them because no one knows the day or the hour. We don't know that. It's temporary at best. And so our focus needs to be, and the Bible says that, that, that our focus has to be on the eternal, and everything down here is only a shadow of all the really cool and exciting things we have forever in heaven. In other words, if you think your first car is cool, if you think maybe trying to be famous and you know, being a singer or, a, or an athlete or some goal you have or getting married, if you think that's cool, you wait till you see heaven. It's hard for our mind to grasp, but we need to get across to our kids, this is just like a shadow. I think it might be good to show them. See that shadow right there? Okay, that's what all these things you're excited about down here are like compared to what's waiting on you. 
And if you can realize how much more amazing and awesome heaven's going to be, then the shadow's not as important. Now, that's not going to make the shadow disappear because they're kids. I understand that. But it's switching the mindset over because it's hard for the young to grasp uh, the eternal because all they know is the shadow that they're looking at. You know, the older we get, I'm not as impressed with the shadow. <laughs> I look at the shadow now and go, you know what? I'm just about ready to leave this shadow behind. Let's move on to the next thing, you know? Yeah. But when you're young, I get it. You know, I remember, you know, Greg, being at a point, I was looking so forward to all these things that were going to happen. And they may still happen. This is, we're going to get to this in a moment. Doesn't mean your kids aren't going to experience these things, but their focus needs to be on what the eternal is going to be and not the temporary. And so God will give wisdom on how to do that. So what is the answer and how do we give young people the hope and excitement for life with all the prophetic things the Bible says is going to happen? First of all, you, you encourage them in this. We don't know for sure when the Lord's returning. And the scripture says, because of this, occupy until he comes. And what that means is, Keep living life as if the Lord, as if you're going to live your whole life out, but be ready in case you don't. So it's this constant sense of the Jesus said over and over, blessed are those who are watching and ready. And here's some of the signs you're going to see when we're getting closer. But continue to live as though uh, this could be forever. I mean, I, I brought this up in our staff meeting on Wednesday. You know, here we are in a situation where the economy looks really rough in America and around the world. Uh, prices are going out the roof, but our church is growing, you know, fairly, fairly rapidly. And we're a lot of new people coming in. And, you know, we've gone to multiple services now on the weekend, even adding a Saturday night to accommodate the growth of the church. And I don't say that to speak of the fact that we're growing other than to say we have needs here where the building needs to expand. We're expanding in people and now we need to house more people and and we're doing OK at the moment. But if we don't look to the future, we won't be ready. So I've started the process of looking into building a new sanctuary and expanding the building. So does that make logical sense? If we're if we're looking at the last days and the Lord could come at any moment, why are we looking yeah. at a multi-million dollar project to expand for those God is bringing in? Here's the principle. We're going to occupy until the Lord comes. We're so going to bring on. that up. Yes. Listen, the, you can't hide. You don't. And go, where is that in the Bible, Pastor Mark? I knew you'd ask that. And, Sorry. And I, no, I shamefully <laughs> was not prepared. I knew you would I, ask me on the air because you always do, and I still didn't get ready. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I do that for the sake of our listeners so I, they right, know where to go. Right, look. I'm too focused on what I'm doing. But that's when okay. we're done with this and you ask me the next question, okay. I'm going to jump to my Bible thing and I'll pull it out. Okay. I should have been ready. That's my that's fault. Okay. It comes back on me. But anyway, uh, so, so here's the bottom line. Here's the principle. The principle is... We continue on as though we're going to live forever on this earth, but we know in reality we won't. So we're watching and we're ready. If we're not supposed to go up on a hillside with a suitcase staring up at the sky, uh, we don't just quit working. We don't just quit playing. We don't just quit life. No, we occupy until he comes, which means I'm moving forward on a multi-million dollar building project. Should God give us the money and resources, that's up to him. We'll wait and see. But if God's leading this way and God continues to do what he's doing, I'm not just going to sit back and go, well, uh, we can't get everybody in the church, so we'll just kind of sit here and do nothing and wait for the Lord to come back. No, we're going to occupy until we come, and we're going to move forward making plans, and if God says do it, we're going to pull the trigger. So we need to tell our kids the same thing. Look, the Lord could come back at any moment. We know the things that will be happening in the last days, but you continue to be a child. You continue to grow and seek your education. The Lord may not come back for years. You're going to need to get a job. You may have a family. You may have a wife or husband. You may have kids. You better be ready. So continue to occupy until I come. Uh, that's the first thing we need to teach our kids, that principle there. And secondly, we need to teach our kids to turn, and we've mentioned it already, to turn from the temporary world and really get their focus on the eternal. The Bible says as good as some things are down here, again, like I said, the best is yet to come. And so if we had to sum it up, bottom line, here's how I would say, the only reason the younger the old would be sad, anxious, or unmotivated, this is really the bottom line we want to get through to our kids. And God did this in me. As I was a, a baby Christian thinking about, oh, the Lord's going to come back, and I'm not married, and all these things in life or whatever, here's the bottom line. I was focused on self. Mm. I was so looking at me and my future that I wasn't living the way God commanded me to as a Christian. Now, this doesn't mean that we're to tell our kids, hey, you shouldn't think about anything fun. You shouldn't think about having any future. You shouldn't think about all the things that God has given richly to enjoy, because God has given those. But here's the thing. If we're too focused on what I might miss, our focus is in the wrong place at the very start. Jesus made it very clear. He said this, the, the best the world has to offer will never satisfy in the long run. And listen to what the Lord said in Matthew 16, 25. He said, whoever desires to save his life, that is to live for this world, will lose it. But whoever loses his life, that is dies to self and all your personal ambitions for my sake, will find it. 
And Greg, here's what I found, and here's what we need to teach our kids and what I taught my kids. That is this. When the Bible says die to yourself, God's not saying don't have fun, don't have a career you love, don't get married, don't have a nice car, don't enjoy life, don't get to go to Disney World. What he's saying is don't worry about you and what your life has to do because now you're focused on the world and the temporary. You focus on me. And if you will focus on serving me, I will give you a car. I'll give you a wife. I'll give you Disney World. I will do. I will. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. And Greg, I know every listener right now that's walked with the Lord for any length of time. And you would, I know you could amen this. When you put God first, he not only gives you all these things you wish would happen, he gives you an ice cream on top of it. He put, he makes it's even better than you dreamed or imagined. I look at my life. My life is so much more blessed than I ever believed that it would be because I decided, okay, I've got to quit worrying about what I'm going to get out of life and learn to die to it and put Jesus first, and then the blessing comes. Yeah. And in addition to that, um, I would say this. Also, if you get that focus on the Lord, and he'll add all these other fun things, careers, jobs, we don't know when the Lord's coming back, occupy till I come. Um, if we do all that, then we have, this is your moment to get eternal reward. I would tell my kids that. This is your moment. Let's say the Lord comes back in two years, and you're thinking, oh, why should I study? Why should I go to school? Whatever. Look, if you serve, if you, if you focus on serving the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving Him the same way, then you have an opportunity. This is your shot in eternity to get reward for serving God for such a time as this. Now that's hard for a young child at maturity level. I get that. Yeah. But as you begin to plant these principles in their minds and let them realize, Hey, you still need to go for it. We don't know when the Lord's coming back. He said, no one knows the day or the hour. You better be ready. You yeah. may live your whole life out. But if you don't, you better be prepared and don't focus on what you might miss. Focus on what you can do for God and get eternal reward because then you're going to have reward forever and ever and ever. It won't be a shadow. It'll be eternal in heaven. Yeah. And the other thing, too, uh, I would say, um, Crystal, is that when your kids are doing what God has asked them to do and living for the Lord, first and foremost, seek ye first the kingdom of God, as Pastor Mark said, God will supernaturally change their hearts. That doesn't mean that they still won't have some of the same desires or same life goals that God wouldn't use for his glory. You know, like they're called into a certain profession that they want to pursue, and God's going to use them later. But in trusting that the Lord, you know, if you'll do what the Lord's asking first, then God will change your heart. I went through that as a new believer and, and hesitating about giving my life to the Lord and thinking, oh, does that mean I'm going to have to give up this or give up that? Well, there were certain things, yeah, I had to give up, but God took those things away. And he, he gave me desires for other things where I didn't, I didn't miss that anymore. As a matter of fact, I was glad those things were gone. It, but beforehand, I'm thinking, oh, how could I ever imagine not having that in my life anymore? Yeah. Yeah. But then God changes you. So just trust the Lord. He will change you supernaturally. That's yes. what I would tell your kids. And let me talk more about here. Yeah. Encourage me everywhere because now I want to address my public rebuke of not being ready because now I found it. And that is this. This is okay. what it says in Luke 19.13. I'm just giving Greg a hard time. In Luke 19.13, <laughs> listen, this is a great Greg, too, because I didn't realize this. When he said this, he was talking about serving him now so there'd be the eternal reward. So this mm. is perfect context. And if I looked it up, I'd have been more prepared. But listen to this. So he, he's giving the example. He says, there were, therefore, a certain note. This is out of uh, Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 12. Um, but let me even read before that. Um, let me, in, in verse 11 says, now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. In other words, it would be like us saying, hey, prophecy showing the Lord can come any second. And so they're thinking, oh, he is going to come any second. And the Lord's concern, Greg, in this was, if they think I'm going to come any second, if they think I'm going to take over the throne, they're not going to continue to do what I need them to do for the kingdom until I do take the throne. So it's a perfect application for where we are. And, he said, and this question, he says, therefore, he said to them, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. The whole picture of Jesus going away to get his kingdom and then come back to the earth. So he called 10 of his servants and delivered to them 10 minus pieces of money and said, do business until I come. There it is. Occupy until I come. That is do business. And he goes at the end of it when he comes back. He says, now, for those of you that did business, now that I'm back, I'm going to give you reward and you reward and you reward. And those that didn't do business, there's no reward. So I would say this. Hey, be about the father's business. 
occupy until he comes, whatever, go for it. And then Jesus promises, when I come back, I'm going to reward you richly. And in the meantime, you're going to have all the rewards that God wants you to have until that takes place. So be encouraged, be strong, get that education, get that job, get ready for that future, and then let God worry about the details and rejoice because he's going to fill you. Whenever you die to yourself, God always fills you with joy and a purpose. And you will have joy and a purpose in serving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, getting your eyes off of yourself and onto the kingdom, which is where it needs to be anyway. And so, again, what a great question, what great hope we have for youth and adult in the answer. Absolutely. If you've got a question like all these folks did today, just go to the Signs of the Times section of thewaymedia.net. Pastor Mark, I'm going to call a production audible because we've got eight minutes left. All right. So let's just, uh, you can bulletize these bad boys as we fly through them, okay? Yes. All right, the first one from Ezekiel 38 and 39. This is jpost.com. Iran sees ties with Russia as a new Middle East, and this is according to an analysis from the Jerusalem Post. Okay, the things I'm going to point out in some of these as we go quickly through these, and you can read them online, is notice the alliances growing with Iran and Russia. And not only that, uh, you're going to see uh, in the news this week, and we don't have the article, but you'll see it, Russia, Iran, and China have upcoming war games and drills together. Oh, my. So, yeah, so it's getting Perfect. more and more interesting. Again, remember the alliance, Ezekiel 38 and 39, Russia, Iran, and now this kind of, you always wonder what China, if they're going to be involved or not, we don't hear much about it, but suddenly they're getting involved as well. Keep your eye on that. Okay. All right, let's head back to America for a few articles here, Pastor Mark. Uh, the first one is from jpost.com that says, U.S. informs Israel it no longer supports the East Med pipeline to Europe. Okay, this, this is huge. Yes, it is massive. Remember, we've been saying for a long time, they found all that natural gas uh, there in Jerusalem. Leviathan. There it is. They're building pipelines to Europe. Well, uh, Russia supplies Europe. We told you Russia's not going to like it. Russia's going to hate it. It's going to pull business away from Russia. That's how Russia makes the majority of their income as a nation. And if Israel starts doing that, that could be war. Russia could come in to shut down that pipeline they don't like it at all so this is huge now all of a sudden america siding with russia and saying you know what we're not going to support that pipeline to europe we're going to stand with russia it's further evidence of israel's last friends lining up against israel like the bible said in the last days all will turn away and it also uh, israel's going to do it they're going to continue that pipeline which means america will be against them russia will be against them more heat if you will uh heated by propane from israel or by gas line from israel for the battle of of you know iran and russia coming in so these two link together hugely watch what happens here as the tensions rise about who supplies gas to europe because if israel gets involved it's going to be bad yeah all right uh from protocol.com the fed may create a u.s digital currency and wants your input yeah, Greg, this is huge. I, you know, listen, guys. Which we knew we were heading that way. Yes, and let me just say this. Let me read some of this. The Federal Reserve released a long-awaited review for the potential of creating a central bank digital currency. Here's why I want you to watch this. This, we've been saying a long time, there's got to be some control over all of the monies of the world. It's It has to be digital. This is what the Antichrist will use literally to control the world. And by the way, this is kind of, we talk about things that are scary to kids and adults. Uh, we're going to be taken out of the rapture before all this stuff gets really crazy, so be encouraged. But once it goes to digital money, literally everyone on the planet will be controlled by the governing authorities. They literally, Greg, will control what you can buy and sell, even as it says will happen in Revelation 13. If they don't want you buying pizza, they can shut off your account for buying pizza. If they don't want you buying snack foods, they can shut off your account for buying snack foods. If they don't want you to buy another car, they can shut off your account to buy cars. They can control what you're allowed to buy, what you're not allowed to buy, who you're allowed to buy it from, medications. I mean, Greg, this is major demonic authoritarian, totalitarianism. If this takes place where it's going to go, I think we could see it go to this before that happens. I think we'll be out of here before that happens. But the Antichrist is going to use this in a massive way. Another reason why I don't think we'll see an electromagnetic bomb yes, uh, being I, set I w- off. I would agree. Uh, next article, Pastor Mark, the last one for America. This is from the Daily Mail. Elon Musk's Neuralink could soon implant its brain chip in humans. So now oh, they yeah. want to hire a director to oversee its first clinical trial. Yes, Elon Musk demonstrated with Neuralink brain chip and a pig monkey a new uh, job listing from the company suggests it will soon see it in the perform in a human brain. They're now looking for candidates and this is interesting Greg. Here's what they say about the candidate. If you'll do this, you t- people are going there's going to be guys lined up for this. He says um if you if you do this um, then you'll be possibly advancing humankind, you know, a change in the world. Here's what it says. Uh, the candidate will will uh, will 
provide the candidate with computer benefits, meals, and an opportunity to change the world. Listen, we know there's going to be a chip or a mark in the hand or the forehead, Revelation chapter 13. And, and isn't it amazing? It comes right in line with the digital thing coming out. Everything controlled digitally. Once people take a digital mark on their body, Greg, then they'll be able to control everything, not just your digital bank account, but you as a person digitally and where you are and what you're doing. Again, this perfectly lines up with what the Bible says the Antichrist will do in Revelation 13. Amazing. We're watching it happen. Okay, seven articles, three minutes. Here we go. Pestilence, plagues, disasters, corruption. This is from Fortune. Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine was funded by Germany, not U.S. Operation Warp Speed. I want to skip that one. I want to use that as our main topic next week because Woo. I've got a lot to talk so, about. The Pfizer and Germany okay. connection. All right, because we, I'm going to pull article number four to go with let's, it. Let's okay, pull that's pull a preview out. of coming attractions. That's our next 30 minutes next week. Okay, um, here uh, from Yahoo.com, Australia suffers deadliest day of pandemic as Omicron drives up hospital cases. Okay, guys, note this. Australia is now, I just checked their website today, their health organization website. Their CDC says, as of today, 92.8% of all Australians have been vaccinated. And yet, Australia and Israel, as we'll see in a moment, have the highest uh, um, infection rates in the world. And why is that? Again, I don't know exactly the reason, but we go back to what, if you remember, we've been warned, a lot of doctors were saying, if we do these mass vaccinations, it's going to lower immunity in other areas, and we're going to see the areas that have the most vaccination have the most infection. A lot of people have been saying conspiracy, conspiracy, not true, these are lies, whatever. Here's the bottom line. They've been saying it for two years, and Greg, exactly what they've been saying is coming to pass. The places that have the highest vaccination rates are now showing up with the highest infection rates. It just proves we need to let this thing be dealt with by natural immunization. Okay. Uh, from Bloomberg, uh, early Omicron breakthroughs show mRNA vaccines weaknesses. Again, the same thing. I would just say they're already showing that the, um, and, and again, it's interesting. Israel tried to say it has low effect. Other articles are saying it has zero effect. It is not affecting the Omicron at all, and yet they're pushing it worldwide, still getting the shots for that. It has no effect for Omicron. Let your natural immunity take care of it. Uh, statenews.com saying new data is showing those who recovered from COVID-19 were less likely than vaccinated to get infected during Delta wave. Amazing. Again, what is it showing? It's showing again that it, those that had vaccination, um, the, the, the natural immunity, what these articles are saying is, Greg, natural immunity is showing itself to be stronger than these shots, which again, doctors, many doctors have been saying from the beginning. And so again, at this point, especially at this point, we have to write off the last two years, but from this point on, I say let natural immunity kick in and let's solve this thing worldwide with natural infection and immunity. Uh, Fortune.com is uh, showing us a grim new report that food prices are already at a 10-year high and there's no relief coming in 2022. Interesting, Greg. In a lot of Jesus said in the last days, you will see famines. I think we're seeing the beginning, not only of food prices, of farmers. This may continue to develop. Keep your eye on it. We know there's going to be a shortage of all these things in the last days. The Lord warned us. Let's be prepared. Okay. And finally, Pastor Mark from CNN, the Tonga volcano, what to know about the eruption and the tsunami. Yes, again, we've been talking about this subject. The Bible says in the last days in Romans, it tells us that the earth will be groaning for the return of the Lord. What that means is you're going to see more earthquakes, more volcanic explosions, more bad storms. The world will tell you that it's climate change. Nonsense. It is what it is the earth groaning for the return of the Lord, wanting to get rid of the curse that has been put on it. The Lord again warned us it would happen. And this is something again we talked about with the question that Crystal gave. This is how we can be encouraged. When we see these massive things happening worldwide, don't panic. Realize the Lord told us it would happen. Realize He's in control. Realize He's our protector and our lover, the lover of and our, our soul provider. And our provider. And I guarantee you, He said, Seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added. God will give us food. God will give us clothing. God will give us shelter. And yes, Crazy things are going to happen, but our God is in control. And that's what these articles bring out, and that's what the Scripture shows. Um, again, you know, Greg, one of the articles, real quickly again, Israel showing some of the highest infection rates as well, well I thought right you now. wanted to say that to next week. Oh, okay. oh, okay. That's fine. No, you're right. I do. 
That was the fourth number yes. four. Gotcha. We are saving it. So that's okay. Oh, next week, guys. We got some great <laughs> stuff. I put a teaser last week about Germany and Pfizer. We're going to talk next week and have a great time. Yeah. The first 30 minutes. Great yeah. time. Anyway, opening up some, some yeah. eyes, maybe. Guarantee. Prophecy's not going to stop, so we're going to add those, Amen. plus other articles that are going to come as the next week goes by, and we will talk about those things as we look at the signs of the times right here on WIAM. Have a great week, and we will see you back here next Friday at 1.30. reason you pray. Sure, prayer's about a relationship with God, but there was a reason long before you were convinced he could be trusted. You might pray because you want or need something, but that too is not why you prayed the first time. You needed rescue, and that was a prayer that changed your world. But when you prayed for the first time, there was another reason. This reason is something you probably haven't even thought of. The very first time you prayed, you may have been uncertain. You probably felt awkward. But the reason you prayed the very first time was because you felt alone. You wanted to know you weren't. Whether you realized it or not, that prayer was an invitation for God to step into your alone moments and bring His love, shine His light, and share His plans for you. Maybe you've never prayed before. Wait through those awkward moments and introduce yourself to God. 